This is the Edumatch Podcast Network, bringing you amazing educators sharing their love of learning one show at a time. The Edumatch Podcast Network is proud to support this show and many others. Find out more at edumatchpn.com. The ideas and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of the individual podcaster. This is TLC Ninja, a podcast for teachers by teachers about classroom innovation. Hi, and welcome to episode 109 of TLC Tech Learn Coffee. I'm your host, Lisa Nowakowski, a technology coach in South Monterey County here in California. And I'm Nancy Minicozzi, an instructional technology coach in Beverly Hills, California. Just a reminder, we have a 15-minute format because ain't nobody got time for more than that. And today's coffee fact is about Turkish coffee, which happens to be pretty yummy. I didn't think I'd like it, but I did. And it actually has several health benefits, including balancing cholesterol in your blood, reducing the risk of cancer, and it can even be used as a painkiller for headaches. So drink up that Turkish coffee. Today, our guest is Kim Vogie, who will be talking to us about the ways uh, to be successful in your classroom, whether online or in person, and this is all on our minds these days. So Kim, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am Kim Vogie, and I am entering my 27th year teaching. I teach for Placentia Yorba Linda Unified School District in Southern California. I spent 18 years in the classroom, uh, seven years as our digital learning instructional coach. And this past year, I uh, returned to the classroom, uh, which ended up being extremely beneficial with the year that we're coming into. And for the fall, I am actually starting a K-6 independent study school in our district uh, that will round out and give us a K-12 program titled uh, Buena Vista Virtual Academy. It's exciting, and I know I followed you all last year, your journey back into the classroom. Um, you taught fifth grade as well as I did last year, and I was just so inspired by you last year as well. It was really fun to watch that journey. Um, so we have some questions for you. So, you know, what are some strategies and techniques that you've used, like, in your physical classroom uh, last year and then previously when you were in before that also work online? Great question. Um, so always building strong relationships with the kids from the very start is super vital. Um, we have always known that that's important, but never was it more important than when we had to transition to distance on that fateful day of Friday, March 13th. Um, and we had all these great things in place, such as good open communication with each other and being able to they felt comfortable expressing themselves to me and it just made for a much um, easier transition, I think. And uh, most of you probably know I'm a super big cheerleader for the Edge of Protocols by Marlena and John, Marlena Heburn and John Carippo. And not only those help with relationship building, they were also a strong pedagogy that I based pretty much my whole curriculum on in my classroom. And so I think our transition was pretty seamless due to that. Excellent. So I have a, a question for you, too. You talked about relationships and building strong relationships with students, and I think we all agree with that. And I have seen across the nation teachers concerned how they can build those relationships virtually if we're not going back to school face-to-face, -face. and many of us in California are starting off uh, virtually. 
Do you have any suggestions? Um, well, I'm going to use like literally the first three to four weeks of school to build those relationships. There should be no rush to me, in my opinion, to get into the curriculum. Um, I don't need to crack the spine on any book just yet. I need to get to know the kids. They need to get to know me. Uh, we're going to do that through some of the smart start edge protocols. Um, we are going to get to know each other in this virtual space, whether it be in breakout rooms. Um, but I want the kids to have fun and get to know each other, get comfortable with the technology that we're going to be using. And, you know, just feeling that uh, comfortable to share and share openly with each other. And I, I think that that's just really going to be key. And I want to do that through, um, you know, using some uh, picture books, some storybooks, even though there'll be upper elementary kids, everyone's always down for a good story that's got a, a moral or a message to it throwing in some sketch noting, things that we can um, share about ourselves and be proud of together and really work on building that online school community. Um, and in my particular case, try to build a kind of a school-wide uh, commonalities with some of the STEM things that we're gonna be doing and art lessons and those typically seen, people refer to them as soft skills, but I like to refer to them as durable skills and um, just build that whole sense of community. Awesome. So you talked a little bit about the smart starts and things like that. And I know, you know, those are things that are going to help us um, be successful in the virtual classroom. What made everything so successful for you in the physical classroom, which you are then also confident that will help us be successful in the virtual classroom? I really think that kids thrive on routines. And um, as much as they think that things get boring, I think they like to know what to expect. Uh, one of the things that uh, we did during distance learning was um, a weekly planner. And in our classrooms, we'd throw up the planner for the day. But in the virtual world, the kids really liked having the weekly planner and seeing what they were going to do be doing Monday through Friday. And I would have never thought to do that in the regular classroom. Uh, for my fifth graders, but when we went virtual, it was really something that helped them see where we were going. I think that built their confidence in what we were doing, and because we used the routines uh, in the edge protocols like a cyber sandwich or an iron chef, they had that confidence in knowing what to do when they were assigned that with the new material that we were reading or the new subject matter. Um, we really tried to build that independence in the classroom, and then out of the classroom as well um, with distance learning. And we got it to the point where we kept saying, own your learning. And so when they were given voice and choice and varied tasks, they're like, well, what do I do? And they'd start quoting me and they'd write back to each other in the Google classroom. She said to own your learning, pick the topic you want to do and do it. And so they started taking that ownership. I'm like, wonderful. They beat me to it and took care of each other. Uh, I really feel like by the end of our time together, they were ready to tackle anything. And um, they like didn't need me, which we as teachers love to feel needed, but like I, we had built this together and, and that, what, isn't that our goal is to have them be super independent. Thank you. And Nancy points out that when you like for us educators being online and being on, on Twitter and we get to know each other online and it's this fantastic thing. And then you meet them face to face and it's just, it's a screen fest and we're like, yeah! and it's very exciting so uh, you know it can 
it, it can be a positive thing. So it, it's very scary for us, and I understand that as educators, um, because we're used to one certain thing, and this is something that we're not used to. But if I think we put it into that context, um, it kind of brings down that that filter a little bit. Absolutely. So what are some ways that teachers, and this is going to be your thing, girl, that teachers can prepare for teaching this school year? I know you already started a little bit with like smart starts and whatnot and routines, but what else are some other things? I think we really just have to come to grips with the fact that it's going to look different. You cannot replicate your classroom experience in the virtual experience, uh, in the virtual classroom. Um, I know a lot of people are spending times on creating like their Bitmoji classrooms and there's this big like Twitter controversy over it. why would you spend time doing that? And I think people are looking for that creative outlet and they want to make things fun for their kids, but we also want to have that routine. And, you know, you do you, what works for you, but you're not going to be able to re replicate that experience. Um, we have to just accept the fact that there's something new and we have to communicate with our parents that this is going to look different. I think the parents are struggling with the way it's looking. I think our students are actually more resilient than we give them credit for as they usually are. Um, and I think that we have to accept the fact that we're not going to be the kind of master in the classroom where we know what to do when we have our uh, Promethean board and our um, textbook right there and all our resources right there. I'm going to have to realize I'm going to learn with my kids and maybe I don't know Adobe Spark yet, but I'm going to learn it with them and maybe they'll have the opportunity to go ahead and go learn it and teach it to you. And isn't that the highest level of learning something? So I think that that's okay. Um, this is our ultimate opportunity to try new things that we didn't have the ability to or didn't feel the sense that we had the time to, to try. Um, you're still teaching the standards, so we can do it in a different way. Um, and one of the biggest things I think that people need to become well-versed in is universal design for learning. And if you have not um, found that in your frameworks, uh, the UDL, I know everyone's really well-versed in their standards because that, they came out first and then we got to the frameworks where the UDL is. And I really think that people need to take a huge look at universal design for learning because the skill level of our students is going to be quite varied and they're going to have quite different strengths than we normally have when we come back into the fall. And we just need to take a deep breath and find those strengths and move the kids forward. Great advice. And I love the fact that we have to have that communication with parents. And some of us have struggled in our communities to have that communication, but I think some of those parents are really seeking that communication from us at this point. So I think we, you're right, we need to seize that opportunity. And uh, we've, we've interviewed a few people about UDL on this. And so um, we'll hopefully um, you know, link that up in our show notes as well for people. So can all of this still be rigorous? You know, some of those high school teachers, they're, and I'm not just necessarily high school, I, I take that back, but, you know, teachers are nervous. Like they want it to be, you know, this strong, strong rigor. Can we do this and can we be successful? I think absolutely we can. I, I think the rigor comes in when we add in um, those, the four C's that we talk about adding in all the time with the creativity and critical thinking, communication and collaboration. And we can absolutely ramp up the rigor with adding those in there. Um, kids will get to maybe explore a topic that suits them and they're going to put more effort and energy into it because it's something that interests them. They may not want to uh, write about, um, I don't know, a, 
a, a certain, like we did, uh, we didn't do a state report. We did national park projects to kind of ramp it up from just your typical thing that you see in fifth grade. So I think um, we can absolutely ramp up the rigor with uh, more opportunities for our kids and letting them take the lead in their learning and be that agent of change that we want them to and, and, and kind of seek out those opportunities to find something that we want to change in the world. That's great. And choice boards are a great thing to do for that. I know Nancy had worked with somebody at her high school uh, to do that. And she had some fantastic examples where the rigor was off the charts and the kids did an amazing job. So that's fantastic. Thanks for bringing that up again. Um, do you have any other words of wisdom for us as we head into this unique school year? I think we've, we've got to kind of go slow. Uh, we've got to be prepared for the fact that, um, you know, there's going to be some suck factor in there. Like it's not going to be all rosy sunshine all the time. Um, and it never is when we start off a school year. There's always kind of that blood, sweat and tears at the beginning of a school year. And we're going to have that even though we're not maybe physically putting up bulletin boards and moving desks and supplies all around our room. It's going to just look different and we're going to get through this. The kids are going to be okay and we're going to be okay. Absolutely great advice. And as a friend of mine says, we are all in this together. We all say that, but literally we're all in this together across the nation. We're all experiencing the same thing. So awesome. So thank you for to our listeners. Um, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment to let us know. Our comment question today is, what are some ways you are preparing to return to school for the 2021 school year? And please don't forget to subscribe to hear more about easy ways for you to innovate in your classroom. And I know today wasn't that easy, but it's really, you'll be fine. Um, if you like the show, and of course you do, please help other people find us by rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Remember, we're always looking for guests to share the great things they're doing in their classrooms. So if you know someone who fits the bill, or if you'd like to be a guest yourself, please visit tlc.ninja and complete the contact form to let us know. Thanks.